Hello and welcome to the CDO Magazine interview series. I'm Savio Rodriguez with Triants. I have the pleasure of speaking again with Brian Coogan, Innovation Leader at Fidelity Investments. Thanks again for speaking with me, Brian. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. We've been discussing the challenges, opportunities, and applications of AI and machine learning. Now I would like to shift this discussion to accelerating innovation and digital transformation. Brian, you've been an innovation leader for over three years now. Can you tell us what skill sets you've used to lead innovation teams and innovation at Fidelity? Probably the first and foremost is humility. Uh, I don't know everything, and I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know everything. It, therefore, I need to it, you know, surround myself with a lot of bright people, people that are willing to learn new things, who actually get excited about change and really want to immerse themselves in the what can be. And for us, what we try to do as we approach each of the problem statements brought before us is start with a very simple statement. How might we? Simple as that. And we only try to build up upon the ideas that people put forward and not try to tear down what people recommend. There may be ideas that don't pan out, uh, but we definitely want to prop up the creativity, get as many new ideas up on the board, ideate through and build upon each of those ideas to think about how we might solve that problem and then push that agenda forward. Uh, so it's been super collaborative. You cannot be successful in, in the space of innovation without great collaboration. Uh, you also need to anchor yourself to use cases that are solvable. Uh, what we found in talking and actually as we've you know, grown the team and interviewed a lot of people, we found people coming to us from other parts of the, the data science world where they were working on projects that they just couldn't solve. It was such a stretch. It was such a moonshot that it became increasingly frustrating to work on those, those types of projects. And one of the things that we've done here is we stratify the kind of the moonshot with, you know, kind of like the golfer's chip. Uh, and, and we blend those two things together and say, hey, what are those things that we can do incrementally uh, that really move our business, really take away some of the time constraints that humans are just slogging through in their day job? And how can we, you know, automate much of what they do using various different domains of technology. What are the things we challenge people to just stop doing? Like they have no value proposition whatsoever. So return on investment is really critical in terms of how we identify projects to make investments into, to make sure that we're not just spinning our wheels for 20 years to get no yield. Uh, but we are also really trying to stretch that horizon of how might we be significantly different in the future and the learnings that we get as the failures that we meet along that path, how can we retrofit that failure to maybe solving a different problem? So maybe it didn't solve that moonshot that we were looking for, but how might we augment it and solve a nearer term problem in a more modified or scaled back approach? And that's how we've kind of bifurcated our approach to solving some of the, the business challenges we face. Well, thank you, Brian, for sharing that. I mean, you just summarized it so well with one keyword, humility. And, uh, you know, I think that um, is such an important skill set to have, um, as well as, you know, the the phrase, the sentence that you also came up uh, with, how might we, you know, as a team um, um, contribute. Um, so thanks for sharing that. And, you know, with a culture conducive to innovation, you know, is not only good for a company's bottom line, but it also boosts morale throughout the organization. However, getting there is tough and sustaining it is even harder. Can you tell us what 
are some of the challenges to creating such an innovation culture? And do you have any tips for those in the process of building that culture? I'm very fortunate to work at a firm like Fidelity, who has consistently over decades pushed the forefront of innovation. Uh, the Johnson family has always invested into technology. They've always been on the forefront of innovating new products. Uh, we're doing it right here today as we speak, putting new product out to the market uh, for our, our customers, even for our own internal employees. We're trying to find new and different ways to you know, augment how we work. So to work at a company like Fidelity, and again, we're a privately owned company. It's a family owned business. We're in a unique position to spend a little more time and resources in the world of innovation because we don't have shareholders to answer to. You know, the last you know, year and a half hasn't been the best stock market, right? So these are typically the times when companies really do some belt tightening and they pull back. Um, I can tell you just during the pandemic, Pandemic has seen a wild time uh, for the way companies have operated over the last three or four years. Uh, at the start of the pandemic, Fidelity was around 32,000 employees. Uh, right now, because our owner has doubled down multiple times, we're at almost 80,000 employees. To see that much growth during a pandemic, it's because they've put out creative new products. They've looked at what is the market lo looking for in terms of a servicing that we could provide them? And how can we diversify our offerings to change the customer base whom we've historically served and generate new products that fit their needs? It's really exciting to work for a company that's willing to change what's made them successful in the past and look at what's going to make them successful in the future and balance those two different things because they are different. And if you continue to just invest in what's made you successful in the past, you will not live to be 100 as a company. It just doesn't generally happen. We're a 75-year-old company. And we're fortunate to have leadership that's looking out into that horizon saying, my family is going to run this company for another 75 years. But in order to do that, we need to think differently. And I, that's how we approach it here at Fidelity. Um, that's how I personally approach it here with our team. And I'm somebody that says, I, I'm willing to try anything as long as it's going to move us forward. It may sound radical, but I'm happy to do it. And when it fails, we celebrate failure because we always learn something from what didn't work. And then we can use that for something else. And that's really important for us is to make sure that we are you know, generating some sort of value out of it. I can tell you, I had heard, you know, I've been here 10 years. I've heard 20, 25 years ago, that failure concept at the firm was not celebrated. It wasn't something that was treated kindly. It, it was treated with somewhat of a heavy hand. Um, so I do think that that type of approach can stagnate. Uh, and I do think that the culture that we have here is very much of an inclusive culture. Uh, we really respect diversity in not only our people, but in diversity of thought and the ability to fail and be supported by your peers to pull you back up and get you moving forward is a dynamic working environment. And it's because of that support and that leadership at the top of the house is why we're being so successful in it right now. Yeah, no, there were a lot of key points that you made uh, right from the you know leadership at the top and also celebrating um, uh, failures and learning fast from it. And it's so always important, uh, you know, as we're trying to build this culture. And uh, we've talked about the challenges and the process of creating a culture of innovation. Now let's talk about how that culture is crucial to enhancing the potential for succeeding in digital transformation. 
So can you tell us a little bit about why culture is imperative to the success of digital transformations? Most people don't really warmly embrace change, right? Uh, most of us, if you said, you know, you have to change the way you get to work tomorrow. Uh, but I like the way I get to work. That's that's comfortable. Uh, you know, many people, they, they resist change because they fear change. If anything, the pandemic has taught us is that we can do things differently. Because so many of us three years ago were so accustomed to the way we worked, how we engage with people, what mediums would we use to do our jobs. So much has been augmented over the last three years. So I think the willingness to try new things, the willingness to fear, the fear of being uncomfortable and overcoming that, like that's one of the things I personally believe that people don't like to be uncomfortable. And those that are as the most successful in the domain of like innovation are people that really thrive in being in uncomfortable situations. It doesn't phase them. And companies really need to establish a culture where it's okay to feel a little uncomfortable. At our firm, we tend to try to move people around frequently and move them across different business units that you wouldn't have thought they would get a promotion in a different line of business that has a totally different model. And the firm has chosen to do that purposefully to drive change, to force change, to create a hiring opportunities where you're pulling people across the company, not just going up the vertical stack, but going across the horizontal. Because again, these are my views. So when I think about looking through a prism, if you look through a prism in one direction, it's crystal clear. And it's what you've noticed seen. You just start to shift that, that crystal a little bit, that prism just a little bit, and you now see the wealth of colors that's also there as well. And I think that diversity in thought helps people understand that having different perspectives, having different ways of approaching solving a problem uh, is really empowering. And having so many different people offer their thoughts and ideas and collaborating and putting the best ideas forward and pushing each other to be different, those are what enriches a company. And it's not just you know, diversity and hiring people, you know, different faiths and colors and religions, all these different things is really you know, it, creating a culture where we support everyone's differences. We recognize them, we see them for who they are, and we support them for those differences because it only makes us better as a whole. Uh, if everyone's working and thinking in the same linear way, you're only going to get to the same conclusion, and that's failure. Uh, it eventually is going to come to an end. Whereas if you keep your mind open and keep it from a very diverse perspective. There's so many dif different paths that you can go down, different ways you can try it and, and you can become successful. And I think that's what helps drive companies forward is when you are so inclusive as an organization. Yeah, no, being inclusive and then thriving in uncomfortable situations. I mean, it takes a lot of things to support that kind of a culture within an organization. It's so good to see, you know, all of those being shared, at least from your, you know, experience on the ground. So thanks for sharing that. We're almost out of time, but I want to end on the topic of creating a roadmap for innovation. From your experience at Fidelity, can you tell us what is the process for creating an innovation roadmap and how do you go about determining innovation goals and KPIs? So roadmaps for us um, are constantly evolving. Uh, these are living organic documents because we don't necessarily know what tomorrow is always going to hold for us. Uh, there are some you know, emerging technologies that maybe we think we can use. 
and then regulations come out and says you can't use them. Uh, or maybe there's a budget that you thought was going to be there and tomorrow it's not. Or the inverse, maybe you didn't think you'd have any budget for this. And now someone gave you the green light to go hire 50 people and solve these problems. So we keep our roadmaps pretty linear. Uh, we typically do our you know, one, three, 10 year planning. Uh, so what do we want to look like? Uh, what do we actually look like today? And then what's that incremental gap bridge that we want to drive towards? So we look at that 10 year perspective. What do I have to tactically do this year to get things done? And then what's my next two to three years look like beyond that to make sure that I'm on the right path towards that 10 year goal? That's typically how we do it. In terms of KPIs, the key things for us are there's three of them. So how do we drive down operating expenses? So that's one of our key tenants. How do we mitigate risk? Um, so whether it's regulatory or if it's operational risk, and then how are we driving new and emerging technologies? So how are we integrating new components into our business um, that's different than the legacy that's made us successful in the past? No, thank you again for your valuable insights. Uh, that's all about the time that we have. Um, I'd like to thank my guest, Brian Coogan, Innovation Leader at Fidelity Investments. Thanks so much again, Brian, for your time today. Well, Sadia, thank you so much. I, mean, I really appreciate the partnership with CDO Magazine. Uh, you know, one of the great things that I've had the experience over the last, you know, really several months now is to just network with so many people inside my industry, which is financial services, but also outside of our industry, uh, people that I wouldn't normally bump elbows with, people from pharma, uh, people from manufacturing. It's really great to see how all of us are challenged with very similar problems. And I'll tell you, a few years back, I remember reading an article about how Levi's jeans was using uh, you know, technology to distress jeans. And they were watched a human do it. They video recorded everything. Then they figured out how they could train a laser to do the same cuts as these little razor blades. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. That, like Levi jeans is using artificial intelligence and then as soon as they finished that, they said, all right, let's apply it to the finance department. And that's where it really clicked for me to say, look at the transfer of information from something like making a denim gene look distressed, which I always think is funny, but then turn around and say, how do I apply that same technology to finance? And I think it's really awesome how CEO brings people together from all of these different disciplines and we can share ideas. And honestly, when you deal with people outside of your industry, they tend to be more free flowing with their idea sharing because they're not a direct competitor. Uh, so they're a little bit more open and honest, uh, which I just find very refreshing. And it's been a great community to get uh, involved with. And I just really appreciate all the partnership. I would 100% agree. And thank you again for being a great member to this community and contributing in many, many ways. Um, thank our listeners today for being on the call as well. Please visit cdomagazine.tech uh, for additional interviews.